Thanks for joining us for the Fight for Your Marriage podcast with Charlene Steinkamp. This is a place where you can find hope for your marriage through Jesus Christ. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Fight for Your Marriage podcast. Today, we have definitely got a treat for you. We're going to be sitting down and talking with Nikki Koziar's author and speaker with Proverbs 31 Ministries about her new book called Flooded, The Five Best Decisions to Make When Life is Hard and Doubt is Rising. And this book is going to be something that you're going to definitely want to pick up and read. My mom and I both got it and we both read it cover to cover in about 24 hours because it is just so packed with scripture and it's packed with tips on how to handle the hard things that happen in life when doubt starts to creep in. She goes through the life of Noah and we've compared standing for marriage restoration so often with the life of Noah, but Nikki takes us through his life and shows us how we can really put our faith and our trust in God in the midst of the hard times. So I hope you enjoy this blessing and stick around afterwards so we can share some special information with you. Well, Nikki, thanks for joining us and happy release week. I know that this is a labor of love getting to this point this week. <laughs> a labor of love, a lot of headaches, a lot of heartache. Um, <laughs> You know, I think people glamorize what it's like to release a book, um, and it is nothing glamorous. <laughs> uh, it's a lot of hard work behind the scenes, um, but this is a fun week to finally get the book out there. So thanks for having me on. I'm so excited about this. You're welcome. Well, we were sharing with you that we um, got a couple copies of the book to have in our bookstore, and when we bought it and we knew it was a good subject, but when we got it and, and mom and I started looking through it and reading it, we read it cover to cover. I think both of us in like 24 hours. And we knew that this message of Noah and his life and his journey of listening to God and obeying and so many days of being silent um, was something that needed to be out for not only our people in our ministry to hear about, but for others, because it talks all about doubt and about unbelief and about the dangers of that. And so it's such a vital message. And I know that the message of doubt um, is something that you're just not talking about from outside of it, but it's something that you have lived through, especially in the past few years um, in a lot of hard life situations. So what prompted you to want to write this book and to talk so much about Noah and his story? Yes. So here's something interesting. And I write about this in the introduction uh, letter of the book. I actually wanted to write a book on Noah about seven or eight years ago, and I pitched it to a few publishers. It was a different concept than where this one landed, um, <laughs> but it was a resounding no from publishers. Uh, they did not want a book on Noah. So sometimes we have to remember that no matter how hard we want something, um, the timing of God is never rushed by the impatience of man. And so we have to try right. timing. And I don't know if you guys remember, but when a few back then Mel Gibson was releasing his movie on Noah and, um, it was a very inaccurate biblical account of the yeah, say that don't go watch it and think you're going to read the Bible. No, you're <laughs> right on that one. <laughs> And so I just thought it was like, I just couldn't believe it. Right. I was like, God, it's perfect timing. Like, but this wasn't his time. So, um, after my second book, why her came out, uh, I had just walked through a really hard season. I lost my mom to a brain tumor. She was only 62. Um, and it was a very long six months where I really just walked with her through that really hard battle. And I thought when I sat down to sign the contract to write this book on Noah, that that was going to be kind of the focus. Like I was going to focus more on like grief and um, just walking through a hard season. I had no idea that as soon as I would sign that contract, that uh, life would become so chaotic the next couple of weeks, um, literally weeks after I signed the contract. Um, my brother who battled mental illness and addiction, um, tragically committed suicide. And, uh, I was the only family member to be there with him when he passed. Um, so that was a really hard thing. 
Uh, and then we got home and just a couple weeks later, one of our horses tragically died. It came out of nowhere. Um, that was a really hard thing. Uh, we were hit really hard um, with some tax bills that we were not expecting. So finances felt like they were being attacked. And then boom, a pandemic hit the world. <laughs> and life as we all knew it uh, became very, very hard. And so where I started writing the book and where I actually wrote the book um, was two very different places. And um, I look back now and I see that, you know, God definitely orchestrated the timing um, because I think from what you guys are seeing as well, this is a very timely message for where we're at in our culture today. Definitely. And, and people that are praying for marriage restoration battle their mind, the battle for the mind that we talk about so frequently is we have to sift and, and keep our eyes on Jesus and not on the situations and the circumstances, which is the pandemic. Don't look at the pandemic. Look at your situation and deal with it one thing at a time. Don't look at all of it as a big picture because it can overwhelm you. And my mom died at 54 of lung cancer, secondary to my father smoking. And when I read about your mother dying, I knew what you went through. I'd just gotten married three years before. And then Tim was born and mom was diagnosed literally when I was pregnant. And that just broke me. It, it devastated me. I was expecting mom to help and be excited. And it was snuffed out. So it's something that you have to deal with and you question God, why? And that doubt that you were talking about, I could relate so easily. But that's when I, when my mom died, I went through all of her things in her, in her bedroom and dad asked me to do, you know, empty the house and go through it all. And I found out that she came to know the Lord in a new way through her cancer she had him as her personal savior on fire for the Lord. And I found all these books and all these pamphlets that led her to the Lord for a personal relationship and have be on fire through her illness. She was a walking example for us that she was knowing she was going to heaven and had that assurance and didn't walk in fear and doubt. In your book, you say something that's along these lines, and I just want to quote it here. It says, it's easy to trust God when our prayers are answered and life seems like a neatly folded pile of laundry. But when we don't like his ways, it's hard to trust his ways. And talk a little bit about how you put your faith into action, because you, like we said, we're living it. Your mom got sick. You walked through this journey with your brother, with, with the horse dying and and walking your daughters through that loss of, of the horse. And what, what did you do that really put your faith into action in this time? It's a hard question. I know. I know. <laughs> Here's the honest answer. Um, and I do think that sometimes we just need to be honest. I didn't walk through it. Well, I didn't. Right. And, um, I, but what I, where I landed, um, is that it's not our questions for God that threaten our belief. It's our questioning of God that threatens Amen. our belief. Amen. Yeah. And so um, I never really got to a place where, and you know, and I, I talk about this in the book that sometimes, and I'm sure you guys have experienced this as well. Sometimes people just try to say things to help make sense of God. And so, you know, they'll say things like, oh, well, God, heaven just needed another angel or, um, you know, God did answer your prayers, just not the way that you were praying. And, you know, we've all said things like that. But the reality is, is that sometimes we just need someone to sit with us and say, this doesn't make any sense. And I'm not right. going to try to make sense of it. And so for my faith, I, I think one of the, the gifts in this really hard season that we had in 2020 was that I had to sit with my pain. Like I, I was on a book deadline. I had a contract. I didn't have the luxury of going, well, I'll deal with my grief, you know, in a couple of years. <laughs> no, like, because I write from such a vulnerable place. Mm -hmm. Um, so honestly, this book was part of my healing process. And there's some parts of it that like, I go back and read and I'm like, I can't believe I said that in a book. Um, <laughs> too late now. <laughs> 
it out, please. Um, but, but your honesty was was part of how great the book is. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. Because sometimes you really like, you're like, maybe I was a little too honest there. Um, but, you know, so for me, that was, it was the walking out of my faith. And, um, you know, sometimes we want God just to put these Bible verse band-aids over our souls, right? But what I have really found is that there is holy work in the midst of hard things. And if we will do the holy work, we will see God start to shift something in our lives. And it may not make sense, but God will give you a renewed sense of purpose in the pain. Awesome. So good. Well, you know, you had five points that you wanted that you made it into chapters and, and um, decisions decisions that's the word you use and i love the word decision because with our men and women they have to decide to stand in the gap for their husband or wife to have the believe the lord to touch and change their heart the first one is to walk with god you chose between disbelief and unbelief and then you walk the line barefoot what did that all mean to you when you were writing that hmm. Yeah. So the connection that I made, um, these five decisions that are in the book, they are not my decisions. Um, this is not a magic five point formula. If you make these decisions every day, you'll be good for the rest of your life. Um, kind of my rhythm as a Bible teacher is to find someone in the scriptures who we can get behind and learn from mm -hmm. the way they live their life. And so these are, uh, the, the interesting thing was when I was writing, um, the, the biblical account, like studying it, you know, there are no words that we can study, unlike a story like Rachel and Leah or Ruth or, you know, things like that, where there's conversations that we can kind of unpack. Um, but with Noah, it un, until the very end of his account, we only see actions. We see God commands, Noah obeys, God commands, Noah obeys, but actions stem from a decision. So like, mm -hmm. even though like right now I'm moving my hands, my mind is making a decision about where my hands are going to go. So I, I came across this shocking statistic that we make like over 30,000 decisions a day. There's a lot wow. of decisions. <laughs> Frightening um, thought. <laughs> right? Um, and so I wanted to make these decisions really simple because life does feel so complicated when we're going through something hard. So we see in the scriptures that Noah is a man who's described as being a man who walked with God. Now, this was not a out in the park kind of walk or taking my dog for a walk. This was putting faith into action, making that decision to keep moving forward. And one of the things I love about God is that he really is not concerned with our perfection. He's concerned with our process. And right. so each process that we're in, there are steps that we have to take in order to follow after God. So that's where that first decision came from. I mean, they, they came directly from Noah, from his life. And y'all listen, like I, um, I take theology really serious. Like I pay someone to do a review of my book twice, not once, twice. Um, I had another person do it. Cause like, I don't want to get to heaven and Noah be like, girl, you had that all wrong. Like, I don't want to be that person. Okay. And so he, like my, my theology guy, like was like, yes, like this is, this is very clear that we can see these actions that Noah took. And we know the ultimate result of his obedience, obviously today, but sometimes I think we forget to study people's process. And right. that's where some of our strength in the study of the scriptures can come from. Process. Talk about Noah's process a little bit. Like his process was not, you know, the short snippets that we read in a few chapters in Genesis, but it was so much longer. And sometimes we can get so frustrated in the process, especially when we're in a season of pain, a season of wondering if God is really paying attention to the hardship that's happening to us. And if he's really hearing our prayers. So talk a, a little bit about um, the process that Noah went through. 
Yes. So when, before we hopped on, you know, we were talking about some of the people in your audience and Mm -hmm. how they feel like they have heard God say, um, I want you to, to, to restore this marriage. I want you Mm -hmm. to move forward in faith with this. And, you know, I think about my own friends who have walked through a really hardship in their marriage. And a lot of times the world will look at them and say, you are crazy. Like God did not tell you to stay there. God did not say that you have every right to leave. Right. That's the message our culture gives. And so I know that there's many listeners today who are going to be able to identify with this because um, yeah, sometimes God will tell us to do something that doesn't make a lot of sense to other people. And that is exactly what happened to Noah. Uh, One day the Lord met him and we don't know how, Uh, we don't know, you know, we knew that Noah was a farmer. He was a preacher. We knew that he was a man of his community. So I don't know if he was just out walking one day and all of a sudden he just heard the voice of God. Uh, We don't know that part, but anyways, God gives him this assignment that mass destruction is coming to the earth. Now, you guys, I'm going to confess something to you. I actually decorated my first daughter's nursery and Noah and the Ark theme. <laughs> Mistake! This is not a Bible, a children's Bible story. We should read to them before they go to sleep, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, you know, I think about growing up in vacation Bible school, like singing that song, the Lord said to Noah, there's going to be a flooding. The Ark. <laughs> Salty from uh, whatever that was, you know? Yeah like make light of it. Right. Oh, that's so cute that God said there, there was a flood that was coming and, you know, Noah was going to save some baby animals. And I mean, I look back now after studying this to this extent, and I think about the horror of this message, It is. So there was nothing warm and fuzzy about this assignment that God gave Noah. And, um, he said, you know, here to build the ark. And he gave him the exact dimensions and he told him exactly what was coming into the ark. And, um, the instructions were that it was going to be him, his wife, his sons and their wives and no one else. And so that's a pretty big assignment to swallow. And, you know, Lori, you were talking about how long it took Noah, you know, sometimes I think we think, Oh, it took him like maybe a couple months. No, it was a hundred years of him building this assignment. So like we feel hard, we feel like it's hard to make sense of something for like a month, right? Or we look at the last year of COVID and we're like, that was the longest year ever. I mean, imagine a hundred years of trying to make sense of an assignment from God. So he, Noah wins the faith award a hundred percent when it comes to assignments that make no sense. Faith and obedience. He didn't, he kept on and did not doubt and say, oh, he didn't mean that. And that's, you know, that's what often we can have God speak to us. And because it's a process, like you said, and takes a long time, we want to give up before God is ready for us to reap what we're going to sow. Yeah, you're exactly right. On that thought, I love the quote you have in here, God's pace and God's plans are not ours to decide. And so often we, we want to follow God's plans, but we'll do it in our time limit. And, you know, that's not the way God wants to work. He, he wants to work in his timing and his timing we know is always best. And we're not always going to understand it, this side of heaven, you know, the loss, the hurt, the, the devastation. Talk a little bit about doubt, because I know if we even look back at what we've just come through with 2020, with the pandemic, with um, the isolation that so many people have walked through. And I know that suicide rates, they say, are up. Um, So there's been a lot of doubt that has been able to fester, it seems, in this season of our lives. And um, so talk a little bit about doubt and what happens if we just leave doubt alone to do, you know, its own thing in our lives. So here's the harsh reality. (laughs) If doubt is left undealt with permanently in our lives, it can actually turn into unbelief. And unbelief is the one unforgivable sin that we see in the scriptures. If we do not believe in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, eternity is not promised to us. And that doesn't feel good to say that, 
Um, and I'm not here today to say that like you doubting yourself is going to lead to you not believing in Jesus. That's not, that's not what I'm here to say. Um, but I am here to say that we don't, sometimes I don't think we take doubt serious enough because, um, we, we kind of look at doubt as like this, un, this like forgivable little, like normal sin, like it's okay to have that in your life. And well, who wouldn't have doubt and things like that. And I don't think that God is here condemning us. Like that's the enemy who would want to condemn us for our doubts. Um, but I do think that, you know, Jesus is our advocate and he came, um, in John 10, we see that he came to give us life and have life abundantly. And so, um, Jesus is our advocate and he is fighting for us to have this belief in our lives. And, uh, if we don't deal with doubt, we will have these little seeds that start to pop, like pocket up. And, you know, I started to think about when we were just talking a second ago, how many God assignments have never been completed because oh, of doubt? Amen. How many? How many, you know, how many more marriages, you know, could be saved and will be saved because of this conversation today? Because we're going to take hold of that seed of doubt in our lives. Amen. Um, and so this isn't like that part of the message isn't kind of warm and fuzzy and it doesn't always feel great, but you know, sometimes we have to remember that growth hurts and growing is, you know, just like our kids have growing pains when, you know, their legs will start to hurt. Like our growth with God, it's sometimes very painful and hard seasons. Unfortunately, they teach us that is a painful part of our process. You said in here, unbelief is what causes us to turn our souls away from God. That is a powerful sentence. It's the most dangerous place disbelief and doubt can lead you to. And that is what I want our people to understand. Our men and women who have that fear and doubt come upon them, they don't understand that it's the enemy is often tempting him in our mind. It's that battle for our mind is it's trying to take us the wrong way, the wrong way away from the Lord instead of being obedient and obeying and going and following and picking up that cross and following Jesus Christ on that narrow road he's taking us on. Well, one of the things I loved is you talked about the gap and the gap between um, the problem and the promise because so often standing in that gap is a hard place to be. Um, it's the waiting season. It's, you know, for Noah, it was, um, what, nine months that he was, he was, um, the flood had started and he was waiting. And even I loved reading your account of how he, um, was sending out the raven and sending out the dove to see if the flood had finished. And so often we want to just keep saying, okay, God, it's a new day. You know, did you answer that prayer? And okay, God, it's a new day. Now, can my grief feel like less of a burden? It's a new day. Can I feel like the pain of my prodigal child that's walked away from you? You know, it's, we want God's comfort so quickly, but there's often a gap in that um, season. And so what, what does that mean to you? And what, what did you want to share about the gap and what you learned through this process of writing? So sometimes I just need something really practical to hold on to when I'm walking through something that feels painful. And I didn't realize until I put this into this formula that this is exactly what I was doing. Um, and so I do, I talk about this, this um, acronym GAP, G-A-P. And really what it is, is it's when we're in between the problem and the promise and so all of us have promises that God has given us through the scriptures, but then, you know, sometimes there's promises that God just gives us, right? Like we've all had those moments where, you know, maybe we're reading something in scripture and the Holy spirit will just whisper, that's for you. Like that's for you. Or, you know, maybe someone has, you know, prophetically said something to us that, you know, is going to happen in our lives or someone, um, you know, maybe we have a dream. Like, I mean, God can speak in so many different ways. Like, I don't want to discount his ways. It, 
with anybody. And so sometimes God does speak to us in a really personal way. Like, um, you know, there's something in, in my life and, and with my husband that we're holding on to. Like, we know that God gave us this promise and we're going to see it. Um, but it's hard and it does make us want to give up. So when we're in between the problem and the promise, um, I talk about in the book that G stands for um, get settled in the faith place. And so um, this really is just talking about making sure that you're surrounding yourself with faith. And so um, sometimes we do need to just put our boots on and get in the mud. <laughs> like I've had a lot of mud around the fix upper farm here recently. Um, and we need to get stuck for a minute and we just need to stay in that place until we start to see some movement from God. Um, but, you know, when I talked about Noah standing at the window, um, that's a great example of how Noah, like he, he got settled there. And I said in the book, I confessed that I would have been sending those birds out every single day, maybe <laughs> Me too. times a day, right? God, is this over? Come on. Um, but Noah was so patient and he just right. he settled there and he knew when it was time to send that bird back out. And you will know that as well when you decide you're going to get settled. Okay. Okay. And then the A stands for affirm his plans again and again. And so if you're not seeing God move in your life today, go back to the last time you heard God speak to you, or you were confident that God gave you a promise and you just replay that again and again and again, and that will help build your, your faith. And then I talk about um, P stands for to pray with passion and purpose. You know, um, sometimes I think we just, and I'm going to be totally vulnerable. We just pray these help me Jesus. Like mm -hmm. right during COVID, I saw so many memes that said, Jesus come get us. Right. Like mm -hmm. we're just done. We're just exhausted. Yeah. We're just, you know, fed up. And so we, we tend to lose our passion for prayer right. and um, you know, Ephesians 6, 18 says, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. We're never supposed to stop losing our passion for prayer. Um, one of my favorite books is the circle maker by Mark Batterson. And he talks yeah. about how that guy Honey stood in that circle and just drew the circle until it started raining. And I think sometimes that's what this looks like. We just need to stay there and stay put and just circle and pray and pray and pray until we see God do something. You know, when we accept Jesus Christ into our lives, we are given the gift of the Holy Spirit. And um, Jesus is mentioned in the scriptures as interceding for us on behalf of us to the Father in heaven, okay? And so we have Jesus, our advocate, but then we have this Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. And mm -hmm. the Holy Spirit is not like, when I think about the Holy Spirit, it's not like a lake where it's just like standing still water. It's like this river that is constantly flowing through us. And, um, you know, there are some things about God that simply cannot be explained. And so I feel like the way that we listen to God and we hear God sometimes is one of those things where you do really have to work it out with him. But I will say this. Um there are a couple ways that I know for sure when it's God saying something to me. Okay. So number one, God will never tell me to do something that goes against his word. Never. Amen. The Holy spirit is not here to tell me to go buy a $3 million house, um, to buy that car. <laughs> like that's not the voice of God in your life. If you're going to go into debt. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> um, but there are times where, you know, like, just re I mean, obviously through the reading of the word where you're talking about how things will pop up on the page. Like that's one of the things I love about studying the scriptures is you can read the same verse a hundred times. And then all of a sudden one day it means something totally new and fresh to you. And that's yeah. because the Holy spirit is that river. He's active and alive. It's not this stale old, you know, sometimes people look at the Bible and like, well, that's just old news. No, like this is today news. Um, so there's that, there's other ways. And I do talk about the need to be careful um, about listening to other people in the book, um, because sometimes you'll get someone who is not um, for you and is not from God. And they'll speak something over you that, you know, didn't fully align. Um, but I think that sometimes we make it a little too complicated. And sometimes we just need to sit in silence and we just need to say, God, speak to me, God, speak. 
The problem is our culture, like even this morning, y'all, I felt so convicted about this. I got up and I accidentally started reading a couple of text messages before I got into my quiet time this morning. And I was so distracted because all I was thinking about, oh my gosh, I got to respond to that. I got to do that. Well, what does my email say about this? You know? Um, and so we need to like turn everything off and just be with God. And uh, I, this quote is in one of my other books, but it says, when God seems quiet, we need to get get quiet mm. because God never stops speaking. It's us right. who stop listening. That That's is huge. excellent. That is huge. huge for our people because yeah. uh, we say you need to listen to God and he has to direct mm. your steps because other people are going to be glad to tell you what to do, which is mm. not God's way. And they go down a detour road that is really, um, mm-hmm. You know, it can take them in bad in bad situations and get a lot right. more complicated. Um, I know. I, I had a question about doubt. Um, you know, doubt is something that's not really talked about in the church per se. Like, we don't want to go to our church friends and say, "I'm wrestling with doubt." Um, it's something that often we kind of hide and shame. Sometimes we don't want people to know that maybe we're struggling with thoughts of doubt that we are, you know, questioning God on things. And how can we be more transparent as um, believers to do two things? First of all, to be honest with other people about the struggles that we're facing in our life. You know, we, how many times a day do we say to people, how are you doing? And we really may not care how they're doing. We're just wanting to be polite and passing, but how do we really care for a person's soul to say, you know, how are you doing? And then also the flip side is that of that is how do we receive that soul care? You know, when we're going through tragedies, when we're going through death and loss or divorce or whatever the situation is, sometimes it's hard to say to people, I need help. I, I really need prayer. I really need, you know, someone to just come and carry me for this season. Um, and how do we do that? I know in the book, you were so practical to say, um, you know, people say, well, let me know what I can do for you. And let me know how I can help you. And sometimes we're in stages of life, we don't even know how to answer that question. And so how can we like be honest on both sides of that coin? I love this discussion, because this is something we really do need to talk about more in the church. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, the church is supposed to be a place for broken down souls to come to, to experience healing. Um, But unfortunately it's not always. And Mm -hmm. uh, I also want to recognize the fact that, you know, if there's a pastor listening today, uh, we just recognize that the last year has been really hard (laughs) and uh, there's a lot of hard situations people are walking through. And I think pastors are on major burnout right now, Um, as well as ministry leaders. I mean, my inbox is Mm -hmm. full of, can you pray for this? Can you like, and, you know, listen, I always if you ask me to pray for you and if I see it, I'm going to pray for you. That's the kind of person that I am, but I'm going to share um, an example that I think would be really helpful because um, sometimes when, especially when we're new in our faith and things feel really uncertain in our lives, um, it becomes a natural reaction to try to just hold on knowingly. Sometimes we can become Um, I don't want to use the word burden, but almost like um, it it becomes like this constant. Okay. So let me, let me unpack this. I think this will make it easier. So a couple of months ago, I was, I had a friend who was walking through something really hard and she is in ministry. She's a godly woman. Like she, I feel like um, she is someone who people would come to her and ask, you know, will you pray for me? Mm -hmm. And so we went through like two or three weeks where I felt like I was just getting text after text, after text, please pray for this, please pray for that. Now I don't want you to think that I was like, well, I'm so tired of praying for you. Like (laughs) that's not where my heart was. Okay. Right. (laughs) But one day when I was getting ready to respond back to her, I said something kind of harsh and I don't think she really liked it, but I said, I'm praying for you, but have you prayed for this? Amen. That's true. Sometimes we are, it's so easy to send out that text message when we're having a bad day. Please pray for me, you guys, please, please, please. Mm -hmm. Like you guys, my friends know if they receive a text from me, that's asking for prayer. It's something like I've, I've exhausted everything (laughs) because we have to like, that's the thing that I talk about in this book. We've got to take ownership for our struggles 
And we can blame pastors for not being available or blame our churches, you know, for not having enough resources or time or things like that. But my question is, like, what are you doing to, you know, you, the same spirit that lives in me is the same spirit that lives in you. And um, I talk about how we take that verse in Matthews where, where two or three are gathered in my name. I'm there in the midst also, which is actually about conflict. It's not actually about prayer. Um, it's about Jesus really being for unity, but I think one of the reasons why it's so hard for people is because for so long, right. We've heard people say, well, where two or more are gathered, then I'm in the midst. No, in Jesus name, wherever you are, the Holy spirit is there. And so you don't need to be in a corporate gathering. You don't need to be next to someone to pray and experience deliverance and authority and power and all those things. So you do need to have your, your people that, you know, after you're, you've exhausted everything that you can think of, um, that you go to and say, Hey guys, I really just need some prayers for strength to battle through this today. Um, but to be, that is hard to be vulnerable, Lori, you're right. It is hard, especially, um, people in ministry. It is hard to say like, I need prayer for this. Um, but it needs to, it, we do need to have that own, ex, our own experience with God as well. Um, and finding that safe group of people that we know we can be entrusted with who will say those hard things to us, right? Like mm-hmm. I had to say that hard thing to my friend, right. because it's what she needed to hear that day. And she said, you're right. I need to go. I need to go pray for this. Yeah. That is so powerful. And, uh, and you're, you really helped her to take charge over her life and take accountability that the Lord is often when he, we go through a crisis, he's calling us to call, talk to him and to seek his answers, his ways and, and solutions to our problems or direction in our lives. And so many times we want to pick up the phone, call how many people, or we want to pick up a book and we want to read a book and have the book, follow the book's answers and not seek the Lord. And all everything that you and I do and, and Lori does is that we have to put the Lord first and have him speak to us and then guide us through the process. It's not always the short little shortcut that we want to, we want to. No, well, it's just... usually not, but it is yeah. a growing process and a right. spiritual growth that at the end, we can, I have done this all the time. I thank the Lord afterwards that, wow, I, I've, I, I'm glad I went, uh, you allowed me to go through this because the end product is me being stronger and a better person and have be able to help and understand other people when they're going through difficult times. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, here's something else that, um, this is for free today, everybody. <laughs> um, one of the blessing. things. The one thing that the Lord's been challenging me about um, when somebody asks me to pray something very specific is to ask him what I'm supposed to pray. And so that's something else that, you know, I don't think we do enough of in the church is like, you know, people just bring their prayer requests. And so we just go, okay, God help Susie with this. And how, like, instead of, but instead of doing that, like ask God, say, God, what are you doing in this situation? And how, what do you want me to pray right now? What do you want me to pray over this person? Because sometimes what we think we need prayer for is actually not the prayer that, you know, that, that we need prayed over us. Um, so that's, that's true. That's just a freebie. That's something that's been helping me. (laughs) Well, you know, often when we go through a crisis, the Lord is also teaching us and training us or guiding us. There's different reasons we go through different things. But when somebody calls me up and or writes us and says to pray for me, if we are on the phone or if we, depending on the the situation, I stop and I read that uh, email. I pray right then. Mm-hmm. I, I don't wait and put it on a list. I put it on a list, but I, I pray right then immediately for that person and, and know that I prayed for that person. Then we're going to have the prayer list and then we're going to see it regularly. But I think sometimes when people say pray for me, and this is um, a, a hint for some of our people that are listening to this, is some people will come to you and ask for prayer, stop right then and say, can I pray for you now? 
mm-hmm. and do it right then. And they're hurting right then. And, and if they have time right then, you can pray and, and show your sincerity. And then it's going to almost, the Lord will bring it back into your remembrance. And I always say to the Lord, I have certain people that are battling cancer and different things that are significant problems or going through divorce court today that I put it on a board and I pray for them that week that, you know, that we know that they're facing court that week. So prayer, I think we need to understand prayer is powerful. It doesn't have to be long, but it needs, we need to talk to the Lord about everything. You and I were just talking a few days ago and it goes along these same lines, Nikki, that sometimes we, our prayer is often, Lord, deliver me, deliver me, deliver me, deliver me from this situation. But God will often want to sustain us through a situation. And our prayer is so often to people pray for healing of this, pray, pray that this will stop, pray that the, you know, the things that are happening, like your, your um, little life of what happened in your personal life in that short time frame was just so many, you know, I thing after thing, but God sustained you through it. Like you didn't get to not walk through it. And so often our prayer, you know, like you said, is for deliverance, but he'll sustain us because he's faithful. So if he's going to carry us through it, he'll sustain us. One chapter you have is please God, no more hard things. That is our people. There are, there are, there are the husbands and the wives that are saying, I can't take any more. And that's what you said. Mm-hmm. How do you help them? Yeah. So I think it's really healthy to admit that we pray that sometimes like that's the prayer, right? Mm-hmm. Not God, give me strength, <laughs> but it's really mm-hmm. that place of God, please just no more hard things. Um, and I remember um, just throughout the writing of that book, how many times I prayed that prayer um, and God did not answer that prayer. It was um, it was hard thing on top of hard thing. And so um, I think that when we're at that place where we're just absolutely exhausted and doubt has just you know, and sometimes I think doubt just tries to keep writing this story of fear and failure. And so it's almost like when you're like that season that I was in, um, I had to deal with some anxiety that I was feeling because I would literally wake up every day. And like, it was almost like PTSD after my mom and my brother died, like, okay, who's dying today? Like what else is going to go wrong? Like, it was kind of like this, anytime my phone would go off, like this reaction that I had. Mm -hmm. And I have a feeling that a lot of your listeners feel that way. Like the next text comes through and it just kind of like sets you off on edge. And, um, I wish I had like something so profound to say into that, but maybe today the conversation is just, we normalize it. And we say, we all get to that point with God where we just really, and you know, I hate that phrase, like God will never give you more than he can hand you can handle. Yes, he will. Yes, he will. (laughs) And, um, I can testify to that because it was yeah. way more than I could handle, but I'm here on the opposite side today and I can talk about my brother and I can talk about my mom and I can talk about the last year and I don't feel, I mean, I still get sad sometimes. Don't hear me say that. Um, but I don't, I don't feel hopeless. Like for example, because I had to really sit through this book, um, I remember just a couple months ago, we went through the one year or the year anniversary, whatever it was for my mom. And I was like in such a good place with everything that had happened with my mom that I don't put grief on a calendar. So like, I don't have, like, I couldn't tell you that date off the top of my head. Um, But some people do, they put grief on the calendar and every year when that date rolls around, that's their day to grieve, but that's just not how I grieve. And so I remember feeling so bad because I woke up that morning. I had no idea until someone texted me and said, Hey, so sorry that today is the anniversary of your mom's death. And then I was like, why'd you have to remind me about that? You know, 
um, because I've been healed and I actually responded back to this person because they're the one that always wants to remind me of my pain. And I said, Hey, I really appreciate it. When you said, you remember my mom and my brother and the hard things that we walked through, but I just want you to know that God is healing me. And these days are not actually the hard days for me. You know, it's those days where like my girls do something that I'm like, Oh, I just wish that my mom, you know, this morning I actually had a little bit of, um, I had some tears because during book release season, my mom was always my biggest advocate. Like she, I mean, she's calling all her friends. She ordered 3 million copies. Like, you know, she, she was on Facebook every day. Like the president of your fan club, (laughs) president of Nikki Gozier's LLC. Um, And I miss that. Right. And like today I was feeling that ache from that loss. Um, So when we get to that point where we say, God, please no more hard things, like the hard things are not going to go away. But I think that's a really healthy place just to say, God, I'm desperate. I am desperate for you to heal these broken places in me. Well, that's, that's the last chapter that you have that is section Mm -hmm. that you talk about a very special thing that we talk about the faithfulness of God Mm -hmm. and you, you've experienced it. And how did you, how did you sense it to share it, to have the people reach out to reach out for the faithfulness and remove that doubt and fear that they're battling right now. So that actually is my favorite part of the book. And the the people that I've heard from so far have said that those last few chapters are the ones that really brought it all home for them. Um, I think I was writing those chapters from a place like we are almost done with this. We are almost done with this. (laughs) I cannot wait to get done with this book. Um, but when I was studying Noah and I realized that, you know, his last decision that he would have to make. Um, so he was on this ark for over a year, right. And think about, um, the reality of the world as this flood covered the earth for a year. Okay. So, um, the trees that I'm looking at outside right now, they would not have been here. The mountains would not have been there. I mean, when we have our farm gets flooded and when, uh, when the floods come, like our roads get tore apart. Okay. And that's just a little tiny, little tiny flood. Um, so when I was thinking about how Noah would have been experiencing so many emotions as he would have stepped off the ark, right? Like, first of all, the landscape, totally different. He has no idea where he is. The Lord did not say we're going to Monroe, Georgia. Like he didn't say anything like that. Like he had to figure all this out. Right. But then the reality, when he gets off the ark and I don't know if you guys would be like this, but. I, I would, when I was thinking about this, I was like, well, this is how I would have reacted. Like, I know God said ma- mass destruction was coming, but mm-hmm. maybe God changed his mind. And like, there's a few right. survivors out there. Right. So I would have been like, yeah. in the dark, like, hello, anybody out yeah. there? Like, no, I mean, no one knew everybody was gone. And yeah. so I think my first reaction would have been like, I would have been in a little bit shook after being on that ark, right. all those animals, but Noah's first reaction was to build this altar and to sacrifice and to mm. worship God. Amen. And it was in that place where he felt God's faithfulness that felt familiar. So just like I was talking about going or last week I went to um, a worship service, right? And it was one of the first worship services that I've been at since COVID hit. Um, and it was like, it felt familiar, right? Like just to worship and to not have to worry about all the things and panic and, you know, fear in the room, like just felt familiar. And I think that's how Noah felt as he stepped out into a world that was completely different, completely unknown, this one place. And so for our, us and our lives today, we have to find that place. Like, right. Whether or not you are, you know, in a marriage that feels like it's going to fall apart tomorrow, or you're in a marriage that God has restored and redeemed, you're going to have more hard seasons in this marriage and where you go in the midst of that hard season, that familiar faithfulness will be what defines how you come out of it. Um, We come eventually the hard season comes to an end, right? Like eventually Mm -hmm. it's going to end. Eventually we're going to get out of this. Right. And so the aftermath though, is sometimes something I don't think we talk about enough. Um, So I'm grateful that Noah taught us that very important decision to decide to find God's familiar faithfulness. 
And I think that's what we have to do is that we have to put the Lord first. And sometimes we, we want to sort of go on the road and uh, do it on our own instead of putting him and worship him. And that is, I love that. Yeah. Nikki, I know these words were um, hard fought each word you can tell. And I know that they're going to be a blessing to everybody who reads this. Um, It's not just a book to read and absorb and to put back on the shelf, but throughout it, you have so many challenges and exercises for the reader to um, get involved in and to really do a self-examination and to sit with God and to have God change things. And so I thank you for taking time to, to sit with us today and to share about this. I know that um, it's going to be a blessing to many people, but as we close, um, would you mind praying for those who are going to listen to this and that are just struggling with doubt and unbelief through seasons of their life right now? I would love to. Thank you guys so much for having me on. I feel like I have to be best friend. Yeah. Like our, <laughs> our this has been so great. Um, yes. So Lord, we just thank you in advance for what's going to come from this conversation today. We thank you that um, there are men and women who are listening to this right now who just needed to be reminded that sometimes you say things that don't make sense. And so, Lord, um, I just pray for more assignments like that. Lord, as crazy as that sounds to pray that, I pray that you would give us more assignments that build our faith in you, Lord. Thank you so much for the legacy that Noah has left for us through the scriptures that we can turn to in the midst of hard and trying circumstances and say, if he was faithful, I can be faithful. And if he made it through, I can make it through. And so, Lord, we thank you that um, you left the legacy for Noah um, for us to to walk behind and to experience. And Lord, we just do um, collectively come together today and we pray for restoration over marriages. We pray, God, that you would silence the voice of doubt, that you would silence the voice of fear, that you would silence the voice of anxiety, and that you would do something impossible to man, but completely possible in your kingdom. And I pray, Lord, that we would start to hear more stories of miraculous restoration and things that are just going to come from this place of radical obedience in our lives, Lord. Um, thank you for this ministry, Lord. Thank you for the way that they um, are just so loving and kind and willing to invest into their listeners, Lord. And I just pray for a double portion to fall on them, Lord. And I pray that, um, God, you would continue to use them in ways that go beyond anything that they can even see on this side of eternity. We love you so much, Jesus. Thank you for this time we've had together today. Amen. 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 Thank you, Nikki, so much. Nikki, you have done an excellent job. This book flooded the five best decisions to make when life is hard and doubt is rising is a must for you to have in your bookcase. Well, I hope that was a blessing for you as much as it was a blessing for us. I know that there was so much information shared today that you're going to want to go back and listen to this episode again and really take notes and write down what God is speaking to you through Nikki's words. I want to let you know that Nikki's book flooded the five best decisions to make when life is hard and doubt is rising released yesterday. And we have a few copies available in our bookstore. So we'll add a link at the bottom and we would love to see you pick up a copy of this book and share with us and let us know how the Lord used it to speak to you. If you're like us, I know you're probably going to need a couple of highlighters because we highlighted so much through this powerful book. And I know that Nikki's words and watching God's faithfulness through the hard season that she's been in is going to encourage you as you walk through those own hard seasons. If we can help you in any way, we invite you to visit the website of Rejoice Marriage Ministries at www.rejoiceministries.org. Thanks for joining us today as we proclaim that God heals hurting marriages.